our communion meditation is from John 15. And I'll read verses 9 through 17. So this is John 15, reading 9 to 17. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would awaken us to a deeper understanding of it. And pray now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would minister it to our minds, to our hearts, that we would be changed. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. So last time, two weeks ago, we covered the first eight verses, and the title there was Abide in Me. The word abide occurred in those eight verses quite a bit. And the word abide continues to occur. It occurs in 9 and 10 as well, part of what I covered for today. But when you look at the whole chapter, you can tell that it's a transition. And so uh, John is transitioning to a new thought, and joy is the transition. He transitions from abiding in him through joy, that your joy may be filled, fulled, maximum fullness, and then that it is into the love, abiding in the love. And I, when I see this, when I hear this, uh, as the Father loved me, I have loved you. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. That whole abiding, I have a visual image in my head of a small child, like a toddler, who wants nothing more than to get away from their parent's hand whether it's dad or mom that's holding them. The parent holds a child often for the child's own good. They hold them walking through a parking lot. They hold them in areas that might be dangerous if the child were to run off. The child doesn't know that. The child doesn't care. The child wants free. And so they'll be slapping at your hand with their other free hand. I remember a coworker telling me years ago, and I think I shared it once, but she was, at the time, she did not have any children, but she was with her nephew, and they were at the playground, and he was climbing the stairs to go down the ladder. He was only a couple years old, but he, you know, and the ladder's kind of high and far apart, and he's doing it himself, and she's trying to hold him, and he kept turning around and swatting her hand away, saying, no, me, no, me. Kids are independent. They want to do this stuff on their own, and sometimes we need to let them, but sometimes we can't let them because it's dangerous. 
And so when I read verses 1 through 8 and I hear, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing God wanting what's best for us, knowing when we're in danger, and yet I can just see us trying to swat his hand away because we don't want at times to abide with him, and we, yet we don't understand the risks of not. Then we transition to this love. Only by abiding will we reach this fullness of joy and will, will we then remain in this loving relationship. And love, 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 it's mentioned so much in the text that I read, nine times. It's used as both a verb and a noun. It's of God's love. It's of Jesus' love. It's of our love. Love, 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 everywhere. All you need is love, right? From this text, you would infer that. But see, look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. See, so it's not just love, 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 is it? It's right there. Love occurs nine times, and so we can forget that it's conditional on obedience. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, we might think that this is earning God's affection, but no, no, no. It's just about how this is how you demonstrate your love through obedience. Through your disobedience, we demonstrate our lack of love. This also is self-sacrificial love. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. I heard a story recently. I can't remember. I, I'm very forgetful these days apparently, but I heard a story told, and it was of a kingdom that is, has come under attack or at least is being threatened and it's being threatened by a larger kingdom. And so the, the king of the attacking uh, kingdom sends emissaries to the king that's about to be attacked, and that king warns him that he doesn't know what he's getting into. And so he called in one of his soldiers, and he told that soldier to kill himself, and the soldier did, committed suicide right there. He called in another soldier and said, kill yourself. He did it right there. Called in a third soldier, same thing, soldier killed himself. And so then he turns to the emissaries and he said, I have 10,000 soldiers. Like this. They weren't doing it because they feared the king. They were doing it because they loved their king. They didn't need to understand why he was having them do what he did. But yet those three men, dying as they did, saved so many more. Because these emissaries went back to the king that was attacking them and said, these people are crazy. They're willing to die right there in our presence, kill themselves for nothing for their king, for their kingdom. So see, we might think, okay, this is not wise. Why would the king do this? But see, that's a demonstration of the fact that he's sacrificing their lives for the lives of so many in his kingdom should they be attacked. 
And he's commanding these men to demonstrate their love. So see, do you see the analogy? We also ought be prepared to serve the God we love like that. Jesus died to redeem us, but it was in obedience to his Father. We know he loved us as well, and yet he obeyed his Father in sacrificing himself. And he pled with him in the garden to prevent that from being necessary. When you get to verse 14, I read that, and I'm a little shocked by verse 14. I don't know if you are. Verse 14 says this, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. See how I read that? You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You can read it harshly like that. You can read it like, who does this guy think he is? How can he demand all from these people in order for them to earn his friendship? to be his friends. And so see, that is how the world views Jesus. That is how the lost view God. He's so demanding. But see, that's not how we're to read that phrase. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. See, he's demonstrating it as a proof of the fact that they are his friends, that they are his children, that they love him. The evidence that he demands is our obedience. That isn't how we earn his love. That's how we demonstrate our love for him. So see, then he goes on to say, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard, my father, that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. And then he reassures them, saying, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So essentially, he's declaring that they are safe in his control. They are safe in the world that he is sending them out into. And then what does he say? So see, thus far, I think, is far. It's very far for us to go. But I believe the next phrase is taking you much farther. It's where you don't want to go. It's where we as people don't want to go. These things I, have com I command you, that you love one another. See, it's easy for us to love God, isn't it? Because God is far away in heaven. It's much harder to love someone who's here and who is sinful. Yet that's exactly what God wants us to do. Our love is not reserved, is not demonstrated for God alone. Our love goes not only to our perfect sacrificial Savior who is in heaven. Our love must be poured out for one another, for people in this world who are sinful. And so that's what I was reflecting on as I was thinking about my mom being in that, or my mother-in-law being in that situation out there. Despite the way people, these unbelievers, treat people just callously, cruelly, 
we yet have to demonstrate love, grace, compassion to those very people. We have to let our light shine before men, not allow their wickedness to overcome that light, to quench that light. So when we come to the table, we're coming to a God that we abide in. We abide in God, and He abides in us. And it's that alone, it's that mutual abiding, that alone that will lead us to fullness of joy while living in this world. We are so easily persuaded that there is something else that can do it. Even in a Christian perspective, there is some book we can read that will do it. No, God alone. And so that's meant to be uh, accepted, embraced, and experienced. So as we come to the table, we come again to celebrate a sacrament of grace that God has given to us to point out to us that we need Him. It's only in Him that we have fullness of joy. And so let's go to God and have God make us fruitful on His vine. Father, we thank You. And we know, Lord, that we are so uh, vacillating in our faithfulness to You, in our obedience to You, in the way in which we think about what, even what we ought to do, how we ought to demonstrate our love for You. You command us that we cannot do it in abstraction, but we have to do it on this earth. We have to love others as You love us. So we pray, Father, that You would give us strength to do that. It is not easy, and we know that we fail to do it far more often than we succeed in doing it. And so, Lord, we need the power of Your Spirit at work in our hearts, in our minds, uh, in our lives, in the day-to-day -day circumstances. Please, Father, overcome the sinful tendencies in us and the selfishness that prevails. We want to be selfless, Father. We want to be sacrificial like Jesus was on our behalf. And so we plead that uh, before Your throne, in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen.